On ABC Radio, you're listening to Off Track. Over summer, we're playing some of our favourite programs from the last year or so, starting with this one, recorded in 2019 on the wide open dunes of the Red Centre. I'm Ann Jones, and you're listening to the sounds of the Karajari Indigenous Protected Area, a place called Kolgara in the Great Sandy Desert. So, Sarah, are you getting the snake out? We've been invited by the Karajari Indigenous Rangers to accompany them on a scientific expedition onto their country, to a place that's not open to the public. So this should be a pretty special sort of trip. Discovering animals. Yeah! Oh, he's so big. Trapping them. What's worse, a centimetre a snake? A lot of dust, flies, and trying to avoid the heat. Bomb is like on fire. <laughs> did you get that? Yeah. I did get that. That's, that's... And I have to say, as you jump in and out of the troopies to get between the science sites, it's a pretty radical mix of music on the radio. And it all depends on who gets their phone Bluetooth paired first. And it also means that the soundtrack to the trip and this program is a little bit eclectic. What's that? Crested bellbird. Is it? I think it was. It's hot. It's so hot that when I hoist myself off the ground, a small rock sticks to my palm. And within minutes, there's an angry, wet, bulging blister. That tiny stone burnt through my city slicker hands like a hot plate on sausage skin. And the first job, digging 80 holes and 800 metres of trench. Kamal Bangu is one of the rangers and is in a remarkably good mood about the digging in the 45-degree heat. Just don't ask him anything about the local football finals or the flies. Well, my grandfather was a head ranger before he passed away. Yeah. Did you have a look at this, son? Um, Did you start being a ranger before your granddad passed away? Not really, but I used to go out of them when I was more small. Oh, did ya? Yeah. My dream came true. Yeah, so I've always wanted to be a ranger, so yeah. Here I am out in the field. <laughs> Been training for two years. Yep. Why did you want to be a ranger? I mainly just look out the country. And, yeah, look after animals. Taking out a few cultural sites, yeah. So you get a chance to look after some cultural sites while you're doing this work? Yep. That's good. Red Kamal was the first... So we're in the, within the Kimberley, I think we're the first um, ranger group to start doing the school-based trainee program. Ewan Noakes is one of the Karajari ranger coordinators. Now Kamal's halfway through a cert three. So Kamal's like, you know, wise beyond his years, only a young bloke. Works really hard, breath of fresh air in the ranger team. It's good times. Yeah. 
what comes after Cert 3, you're gonna, you'll be a doctor next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have to call you Dr. Kamal next time I come out, yeah? Do you have a favourite part of the job? Uh, well, put it this. Fencing, uh, yeah, fencing. Do a lot of fencing. You like fencing. You yeah. are like the first person I've ever met that likes fencing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all right. <laughs> all those holes that Kamal and Ewan and the other rangers are digging, they're called pit traps. A low fence is buried. Now small animals come along, encounter the fence, run along the fence and fall into the bucket that's buried in the hole in the ground. Scientists use this technique to gather data on the small reptiles and mammals that inhabit an area. And it means that we spend a whole week going from trap to trap to check what's in the buckets. OK, we've got something in here. Where is it? You can get them up. Yeah, um, my name is Jacqueline Shavla. I'm a senior cultural ranger um, with the Gorajari Rangers. Yeah, he's got lots and lots of stripes. And we're here at Kalkara. He's going to get him out. He looks like a lolly. He's got so many stripes. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing a lot of work on um, different species, animals and putting up traps to find out what sort of species we got on country. Um, we want to find that out so we know what if we got any new species that no one have already identified and how much species we already got here. You're going to get him out? Just remember to try and go like round his shoulders, you know. Oh, there he is. Okay, he's back in there. Oh, look at him. It's a slider. <gasps> You're like an eel. <laughs> yeah, he's lost his tail. Sorry, dude. A tiny, skinky-looking thing that has useless little legs. And when it's on sand, it literally wiggles along like a stream of mercury. And when it wants to, it just disappears into the sand like a sandworm in June, just gone. The old people used to use it to... Eat lice oh. in their hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put them in their hair. That'd tickle. <laughs> 52 for a snap vent. I'll tell you the tale in a minute. This survey is collaborative. In particular, the rangers have co-opted Professor Sarah Legg from the Threatened Species Recovery Hub to help set up their research protocols and to act as a go-to for Western scientific advice. Karajari are very invested in managing fire and they've got this huge IPA, they can't get around it on foot. Road access is very limited so they've taken up aerial burning, they're trying to put fire back into the landscape in a way that hasn't happened for a couple of decades so they're trying to control those fire patterns again and prevent the big sweeping wildfires that they've seen in the last 20-30 years. As part of that management they want to be able to to see how it's changing their IPA and they want to be able to demonstrate that to other people. So together we've been setting up this monitoring program to try to understand how far affects plants and animals here 
and how those communities change as the rangers get on top of the fire management. What do we know about traditional use of fire in this particular part of the landscape? Um, well, all of our information, I guess, comes from some extrapolation from nearby deserts combined with some of the knowledge that the TOs have of what their grandparents did in the old days. So we think from those two lines of evidence that people burnt very fine scale but very intensively. So you know, they were burning pretty much everywhere they were going but always creating quite small patches which means that when you look at the landscape from a broader perspective it would have looked like a mosaic of vegetation patches of different age. And those patches allow lots of different animals to exist because if they like open ground, oh, there's some patches of that just here. And if they like low cover, there's some of that over there. If the landscape becomes more homogenous, so do the communities that live there, animal and plant. seasonal calendar, we look at um, the months um, when we're supposed to be collecting our fruits. The climate change really changed it because um, sometimes you don't find it at the right season. Sometimes you don't find it at all. Jacqueline Shoveler, Jacko, is a senior cultural ranger and she has an absolutely contagious love of the plants on her country and it's under her direction that we spread out across the landscape to search for bush medicines and foods. Um, when we were small we used to go out in the country with our old people camping out, school holidays and they taught us about plants. Why are plants for you? Why are plants so important? Um, yeah, because of the bush tucker and yeah, and some bush tucker has a story for um, like a grandmother story for when she got sick and and how she got better from the plant. Yeah, my grandmother had a bad whipping cough and she was small then and she her, grand, uh, her mother and father couldn't get anyone to fix it, so they took her to the desert, way up in the desert for, look for the bush doctor man, and they helped her. And on the way, she had some of the supplejack tree. They um, call it decoction when you're boiling it. So they boiled that up, and she drank that, and she got better from it. So... I think about that story all the time because, I mean, if she would have got really sick and 
she wouldn't be here today. Or I wouldn't be here telling the story, you know? Yeah. So, that's, um, so when we go out to bush medicine, we talk about the plant and tell stories for it before we collecting and... Yeah. Ah, so no food. And when we come back together with everything we've collected, there's some flowers, seeds, nuts, and even galls with grubs inside that need to be cracked open. So just wanted to, um, the story for this, my grandfather had a dream about twins. My grandmother was going to have twins, but there was a kookaburra on the tree and the nut fell down and hit the kookaburra on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, they were meant to be twins, but because the nut hit the kookaburra, one was born a couple of days after. <laughs> yeah. So the nut fell off this tree? Yeah, well, the kookaburra was on the tree and yeah. hit her in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and so she was supposed to have twins? Yeah. But she only had one. She, they, she had twins, but a couple of days apart, yeah. You know, with kookaburras, because I did a lot of work on kookaburras a long time ago now, but quite often they'll lay three eggs, but with days apart, like as Jacko just said, and um, the youngest chick usually gets killed, mm. or the older two. Just killed. And the gruesome part of it is that the mum is an accomplice in this. So when the eggs hatch, if she sits on the chicks, they can't fight because she's sitting on them. But if she gets off the chicks, they can fight. So she'll get on them, keep them warm, because, you know, they can't do their own temperature. And then she'll get off and she'll just sit in the nest, let the chicks hash it out. And then as they get colder, they start getting, like, sluggish, get moving slower, like slow motion wax. She sits on them again, heats them up. Once they're hot, she comes off. They fight again. Whoa. Huh, nasty. Fight for my oh, life. It's incredible, isn't it, that the, that the scientific information is thousands of years behind yeah. traditional stories, but the traditional stories contain the information. They contain exactly the same information. Yeah, so that sort of that time interval between the hatching that Jacko just described. Same thing, same observation. It's just uh, parallel explanations. So do you get many kookaburras out here then? It's so hot that the glue that holds one of my microphones together melts. It's so hot that no less than three pairs of shoes in the group bite the dust, soles detached from uppers in the 45-degree-plus radiant heat. But still, the rangers work through it all, determined to gather as much data as they can. The Karajari Rangers Group monitoring study is pretty new, but already other ranger groups are looking to them to learn and share skills. And on the trip is a delegation from the Nugara Rangers who muck in digging and trap checking, flora surveying and complaining about the flies. 
And in the hot part of the day, there's plenty of time for data entry and also reflecting on the work and what being a ranger really means, especially if that means sitting in the car with the air conditioning on for a while. Hello, my name is Raylene Lenmari and I work for the Mudura Rangers. Working out on country, it means a lot to us because of old people. Long time ago, had walked away from their land and never went back and now we have cars to take them back, visit their country. I come from Ngurua Ranges, and my name is Elton Smiler. I'm the head ranger of Ngurua. I like to work with different ranger groups and share different knowledge. And I like to go out country, go out bush, build my confidence up and strength and learn something new every time we go out field and work with researchers or it's a different experience for me. I've been working for Ngurai Rangers for four to five years now and still proud to be working for the Ngurai Rangers. I really enjoy working and waking up every morning, putting on the uniform makes me proud of who I'm working for. I would like to see more young women, including youth, to join in the ranger program for future generations so that they won't lose their culture and knowledge and also that they won't lose their connection to country. Raylene Lenmari is a Nura ranger and what a legend. And the troopy trips and the trap checks and the data gathering continues through the whole week. So the next one is feral animals. You seen any tracks of dung on this site? Tracks of dung. Camels? Donkeys? Mm. I don't think so. Eh? Mm. Um, other feral animals? Why do scientists need to be involved in this? Why, as an ecologist, are you here? Well, I, I guess there's lots of ways of answering that question. From the Indigenous side, I hope that the extra perspective and information that we can bring to them helps them make decisions about what they want to do on their land and to, to get to where they want to be more quickly. I think from the science perspective, point of view, there's multiple reasons. A lot of Australia now, the tenures over a lot of Australia are Aboriginal. The um, Indigenous Protected Area and Working on Country programs have been growing very fast, very successfully. Many threatened species have distributions that overlap with Indigenous tenures. So if conservation is your game, this is the future. Like most of Australia is owned and managed by Aboriginal people. And if you are thinking about conservation in Australia on a national scale, this is the main game, or one of them. I guess another reason, like, I'm not really sure how to explain this. It just, it feels right. You're in Australia, you're interested in its ecology. If you want to work in the outback, you need to work collaboratively with the people that have lived here for a very long time. 
in this place, it's impossible to keep yourself contained. You always share just a little bit more. We travel along the skinny track and the branches are whacking the car as we go. Jacko points to a tree and tells a story. Balangur plant is a plant that old people used to get from the seeds of the, the fruit from the tree and they used to burn the um, fruit and there was oil coming out and it turned black because of the fruit and they used to cover the old people so they could hide them away. So it was like they were literally trying to make themselves darker so that they they didn't stand out. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So they had to paint their bo- um, whole body so they make them look um, dark. Yeah. yeah. And did it work? Did did they get taken away? Um, we got some old people. Who, uh, not not some of them, but yeah. Because um, we got um, the old girl, um, Rosie Munro. She she had that happen to her and. Yeah, she was painted and she's today with us in Bijiranga. Hmm. No one would take her. So we need to do a bird survey as well this morning. Does anybody want to have a go But a big part of this project too is about connecting Garajari back to the Bira. And what I mean by that is, you know, people lived here and then I guess by the 50s, 60s, they'd mostly moved off. And this is their initiative to try to keep alive some of the stories and the language and everything that goes with that, that comes from the desert. So, you know, big aim from these trapping exercises is not just what you trap. It's about the opportunity for people to sit around and talk about things, sometimes that they could just barely remember that their grandparent might have told them or so on, and look around at the vegetation and uh, sort of remind themselves what plants are here that they don't see at the coast, and, and just reconnect with their country. Um, yeah, it's good to be in the ranger program and looking at what we do on country, because it's really important, you know, looking after our ways, uh, Aboriginal way and learning all the um, Western way and, and yeah, learning all that on country. Mm. Now for me, when I'm at home, I just stress out when I'm out on country, just feel free. You know, you got no worries out here and doing things out on country, your mind takes it away. I mean, you know, takes the, from the stress. Thank you so much for having me because I've really, really loved seeing this part of your country. I know it's only a little bit. So thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> nice having you here in our country. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Oh, fly. One last fly. Thanks to the Karajari Rangers for having me and the off-track microphone along on their country. My name is Dr Anne Jones and this has been Off Track. Remember, 
meet me here next time because I'll take you somewhere else. Karajari IPA, just some quiet nighttime noise. This won't be a long track as I need to go to bed.